Welcome to the Leaders in LiDAR podcast series hosted by Umbilical Technology. In this series, I interview senior members of the world's leading LiDAR manufacturers to give you an insight into a misunderstood sensor technology that I and the guests of this series are confident will be ubiquitous in the coming years and providing benefits to society for a wide number of exciting use cases. So I'm pleased to welcome my first guest, Omar Kalaf. Omar is the co-founder and CEO of Innovis Technologies, an Israel-based award-winning automotive LiDAR supplier. They were set up in 2016, and for those of you who follow the automotive market closely, you may have seen them in the news recently as they've announced a new product, the Innovis 2, as well as their intentions to go public later on this year. So Omar, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been a busy four years, right? Yeah, it's been crazy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Not a problem, honestly. It's a pleasure to have you on here and to kind of discuss what I consider, as I've said, to be a, a misunderstood uh, and a slightly underappreciated uh, sensor technology. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, the LiDAR space is, is very interesting and could be very confusing. There is, there is a lot of noise in the industry. Um, I, I, I get a lot of questions about, you know, um, you know why... You know how the, the technologies are different. You know why why a lidar in general, and uh, and where it's going to be. And it's a, I think it's a it's an amazing topic because a lidar is is really one of the most uh, interesting technologies that requires so much um, you know multidisciplinary kind of areas all combined to one, and and in a very complex industry, <laughs> you know, which is automotive. Uh, so you you bring everything all together, you get a, a very nice uh, you know challenge to, to face. Definitely, and I mean, was that kind of the reason that in 2016 you decided to kind of start out on your own and found Innovis Technologies? Yeah, definitely. I was look. I had many ideas. I had a list of about 16 ideas, and I fell in love with this uh, topic because people told me it's impossible. <laughs> Uh, you know, and uh, people told me that it's no, uh, people have tried for so many years, it will never be possible to make it that cheap or that good. Uh, and I said, okay, great, this is exactly what I want to do. You know, I was looking to do things that are considered impossible. And, uh, and uh, you know, I started by doing some kind of an Ocean 11 project by finding the right team. Uh, we, you know, we, we turned from one person to about 18 in in uh, in two and a half months uh, you know wow. me and the other co-founders started to meet with really the best engineers that we you know worked with in the past and you know our background is coming from uh, a very unique uh, technology unit in the israeli defense force you know we we kind of met the, the we brought like the best mechanical engineer we we met uh, she was she's a brilliant uh, you know woman and uh, the best algorithm guy and uh, like the craziest uh, optical designer I, I could find. And, uh, you know, we, we started to kind of uh, gather together and, uh, you know, r- rushing into it. I mean, you know, I, I it was clear to me that this kind of uh, group of people uh, are those that are, uh, that's their duty uh, to solve the problem <laughs> that everybody's waiting for. I was reading now you're you're at about 250 plus employees now aren't you in four years 
<laughs> it's actually 290 now, now but yes, yeah. <laughs> it's growing. Yeah, it's, uh, wow. it's growing. <laughs> and you mentioned there, and it was a point I wanted to touch on. Um, I know that quite a lot of the team, especially at the beginning and now as you've grown, have came from the the same team that you worked in during your time in the army. That's is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it used to be a unit that uh, was its name was not uh, was very secret. It was not I was not even allowed to tell you, you know, exactly where I'm from. Uh, about a year ago, it was uh, this decided that it's uh, it's allowed to talk about it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, the unit called Unit 81. Uh, actually, today in Israel there was a, a really great article about uh, the so many uh, you know unicorns coming out from uh, people that are uh, that came from that unit. It's it's a very interesting place it's not uh, it's like it's it's a rather small uh, unit there are, there are only a few hundreds of people and uh, but those are people that are coming from like those are the best engineers coming out from the university and you know spending many i was there for 7 years and the the uh, the pace there is crazy like every year uh, you're thrown into a new project which is completely crazy and you need to do something that you are emotionally attached to because you know you know how important it is to to make it succeed yeah. and you have um, you know tens of people or sometimes hundreds of people working with you on a very very short time there is like a, a window which you need to uh, meet in order to deliver this technology and this technology needs to be super uh, reliable for you know for something that basically needs to work for many many years without any way to uh, you know to do something if something goes wrong so the reliability and like it's it's really a methodology of how to drive innovation but also make sure that it's super reliable so i've been there uh, seven years every year uh, dropped into a new project like this yeah. walking uh, 28 hours a day and uh, <laughs> No, eventually you 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 you're becoming addicted to this. Really, yeah. like I always laugh about me and my friends from there that we are all crazy people. We <laughs> we can't really uh, work, uh, you know, uh, any less. We we need that kind of in our blood. Yep. We need uh, you know we we need to be passionate about what we do, and uh, that's exactly what I was looking to do. And I think uh, I, I get it in a, in a in a in a large dose. <laughs> yeah. Here. And I mean. Do you think that's why you've been able to grow so quickly and have the success you've had because of the kind of the background of having quick deadlines and having to create completely new projects? I, I believe so. You know, it's it's about risk management. You know, when and in, in, in a startup, that's part of that's the part of uh, you know that's the role the startup serves in the industry. Uh, you need to be disruptive, otherwise you have no value. Uh, to be disruptive, you need to take many risks. Uh, so, you know, in opposed to company, big companies that, you know, they, they can't risk what they already have. As a startup, you have nothing to lose. <laughs> uh, so you, you just need to uh, succeed and succeed well. Um, and, and when we started and, you know, really brought the, the most talented people, you know, and, and, and again, after, you know, also after being in, in, in that army, I was in diff different startups and yeah. my, les my lessons learned from, from all of you know, my experience was that every time we eventually managed to solve the technical problem. 
you know, and uh, the things that are more difficult to solve is that if you develop the, the not the right thing, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and when we started, and we know we, we knew that the challenge is very high, but we knew that if we will understand very well the problem, what we need to solve, uh, then we will eventually succeed. So uh, we took a very difficult path, I would say, technically. We we are developing many many technologies in Innovis, very deep technologies in many areas altogether. But we you know we I knew that that's what is needed in order to solve you know, the LIDAR problem. And we went into a path of about three years of development of all of those technologies, eventually integrating it, like the the, the, the different teams working in, a, in parallel for many years, eventually kind of converging them together and having a product that eventually, you know, provides what the market needs. And it's a pleasure, you know, to see something that, you know, is created out of uh, so much innovation by so many people and and obviously the atmosphere and uh, you know the method i would say the culture yeah is is super important because um you know i think people are very much involved emotionally in in you know to do this right and i think the the part of us as a company being very transparent and and very open and and friendly i think <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, drives them to to work in in the similar way. So I think it's a part it's part of our secret sauce. And what would you say then that the the main challenge has been? Is it a technology piece, or is it more so kind of getting the the cost down to what automotive OEMs see as suitable? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So um, it's it's interesting because you know when when I started and I really knew nothing about you know autonomous driving and what is needed, um, you know I, I had a certain understanding of you know what the benchmark is in the industry, and yeah. I, we thought that if we will make that um, you know small enough and and cheap enough and and reliable enough, everybody would uh, we will be winners, right? And, sure. and 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 when we started talking with customers. Very early stage, uh, they said no. The you know the technologies that are available today, yes, they are expensive, they are big, but no, they are not really good enough. We need like double the range, um, five times the resolution, and 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 ten times the you know the sensitivity. Yeah. And then like you you like your your reaction is would be like shit. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the problem has just became more difficult by a three orders of magnitude. Like yeah. wow. Uh, really? <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, you know, what we could have done at that point, and I think that's what most of our competitors have done, uh, chose a compromise, you know, uh, because uh, as a company, you need to decide between the level of risk you want to have, uh, what is the time to market that you want to achieve, and eventually, you know, you need to kind of uh, find the right spot between them, right? And Many of, I think, many of the competitors of us, you know, chose a time to market, the wrong time to market, because, uh, you know, autonomous driving, at least in 2016, I thought it's not going to be next year. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it's going to be uh, at least three or four years. And, and that's basically the target that we have set. And based on that, you know, you, you need to assume, you know, uh, what you could really achieve in that time, right? And yeah. and I think most of the companies uh, decided on a certain kind of compromise, maybe size, maybe price, maybe performance. 
And I, I was not interested in, in trying to solve most of the problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't want to end up with something that, uh, you know, eventually could be a, a nice prototype for someone. Um, I was really uh, shooting to get to something that eventually could be adopted in, in scale. Um, of course, you need to be very cautious not to do something too complicated or too risky because then it can take like 20 years to develop. I mean, we're not a university, we are a company. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we were trying to find the right fit between, you know, the technology and the market needs and the time. And of we took a lot of risks. We took like we realized that we need to develop very like deep technologies to achieve what we need. Um, and you know we counted on the people to to do this, and I think that you know uh, you know BMW when they chose us, you know we were a very young company, less than two years. Uh, yeah. You know we didn't have our product ready. Actually, like we we basically had you know uh, even not a very like the design was not yet closed, and you could ask, okay, so how how could they choose you, right? And uh, and I think it's it's actually come from two two main reasons. Uh, the first is that they couldn't find anything better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the second is that they, I think they, they, they were aligned with our strategy. I think that yeah. uh, after spending a year of due diligence with us, uh, they, they believe that this is really the right way to solve this problem, like, uh, like long term in, in regards to meeting the price point and, and performance. And of course, they, after working with the engineers and spending much time in Israel, they thought it would be fun to come back to Israel more and more. So, uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, I think they 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 learned to trust the engineers, and they they knew that we know what we're talking about, and and from the point that they uh, decided to nominate us, uh, I remember like I, I came to the team. Uh, it was uh, over the weekend. I came on Sunday. I, I couldn't I couldn't wait to tell everyone. So I came to the office and I gather everyone and I kind of, uh, you know, I told them, okay, uh, so uh, we we won the BMW program, and everybody they were like uh, smiling and like five minutes everybody got like very nervous. <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> now? okay, so we are now, uh, now it's uh, okay. So all of the plans and and I, we need to converge and you know it's 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 a serious production like it's not yeah. just kind of uh, you know an advanced technology program. It eventually goes into serious production with automotive grade for a product that is mostly kind of on papers. <laughs> yeah. So and of course uh, the technologies are very very unique and and complex. So, but I think in in many ways I think like BMW was super super helpful. Um, you know, I can show you the scars on my back here, <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's, it's like, it's, that's, that's the best customer you want to have because, um, you know, I always say that they are like a, a huge iron, which like sits on you and kind of make sure all your wrinkles are out. Uh, it's not, it's not fun, but eventually you come out like the best, like the, the best looking, uh, dress you can. Yeah. Um, and it, I think we, from only from that point on, I think we were, uh, you know, only running faster. You know, it's uh, there, there, there is a, there is an Israeli joke about, you know, giving uh, someone a, a, the best uh, tip, like how to succeed, and you tell him you you need to start your uh, the fastest you can and 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 over time accelerate. So <laughs> it, so this this was really kind of how it was uh, felt. Um, yeah. We started to grow, uh, bring more people, um, and you know, and, and really kind of uh, do a lot of iterations of the design, 
we went through you know tens of uh, design cycles you know you do a lot of tests you know for automotive as you as you said earlier sure. you know th those are horrifying images in my mind now of uh, how it's like you you're killing my baby there <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> you know uh, it's uh, like i don't know if you know but uh, you know in automotive one of the tests you need to go through is uh, someone is holding a gun uh, of bugs in front of the window of the of the mm -hmm. sensor and shooting mosquitoes on it, mm -hmm. and okay. you you need to and, and it needs to show that it's uh, you know surviving that and it's not creating scratch. But you know it's like wow. it's. Uh, I, I mean, if you think about it, that's part of what would happen eventually, right, in the car. Oh, and, but you can't imagine that someone's job is to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, sometimes you go through things you don't expect. I, I, that's not an image I thought I would see when I started Innovis, but that's something, you know, part of what you, uh, you know, you, you go through. Uh, and, and of course, there are many. So like we went through many, many cycles and uh, it's, it's, it feels great because, you know, when you see that the design converges and now you're going to high volume manufacturing, that's, that's a dream come true you know because it's it's you know it was really um something that you know we, we were waiting for um and you know this is something that uh, excites us all so because yeah. you know up until now there was nothing uh, you know you could buy samples of lidars from different places and nothing is really at scale and obviously not not some automotive grade and at the at the you know performance that we can offer and you know eventually that's that's going to enable autonomous driving you know it's yeah. like now, now you can ask me why you need a lidar but <laughs> what you've said there is kind of what i hear in the market a lot See, i focus on germany and every tier one i speak to or tier two they always say that bmw are the most challenging oem to supply into and very demanding, kind of very high levels of um, expectations there. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. I mean, I, I, it's like it's hard, but it's so so important. I think this is this really sets you on the right course uh, to get where you want. Uh, we're fortunate. That. Yeah, my understanding is that project the, for the Innovis One with BMW that is to conclude this year, isn't it? Uh, the the process is still ongoing. Uh, we are now uh, going into high volume manufacturing for the Innovis One, and the integration with the car and the testing is still ongoing. Ah. Uh, but it's uh, it's. I mean, think about it. You know, Waymo have tested uh, their cars over ten years before they of felt course. that it's it's uh, going into kind of uh, real condition. And and you know, moving from an L2 to an L3 is it's a quantum leap uh, for car makers because. You know, up until now, if something happens to your car and you do something stupid and or someone else is doing stuff, no one picks the phone and calls the car maker, right? They, they don't yeah. even hear about it. Now, if anything happens, you know, they get a call. And, you know, like, it's it's a very serious situation uh, for them to take responsibility for anything that happens. And, and think about it, if if they have a certain bug. You know, it will happen on many, many cars because it's 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 a car company that sells millions of cars. So it will happen <laughs> at that, you know, with a certain probability of uh, that will happen every day. It's not a very good uh, you know, thing for them. So they need to go through a lot of testing and it's uh, and, and eventually they need to collect millions of kilometers and validate it. And, you know, they need to get to the point that they feel confident enough in order to, you know, release it to the market. For so sure. it's a... Uh, 
you know, of course, the LiDAR is the most important thing in the, in the car, but, you know, there are other stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, we've, we've seen that happen already with, um, with Tesla and with Uber, where there's been crashes when the autonomous um, driving has been in, been in action. Yeah. Obviously, they've, yeah, and, and, they've and not every company is Tesla that you know that can get away with uh, <laughs> with stuff, right? <laughs> For sure. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as you've said there, so lidar, I don't think people understand it that well. I think radar people kind of they understand what a radar is. Obviously, a camera people understand what that is, but lidar, I think to an, a person that's not in this market, it's almost just an acronym. But obviously, we have a good understanding ourselves, but what is it? Why do you think that LiDAR is so integral to kind of your level three and above autonomous driving efforts? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, basically every feature that exists in the car has a very clear definition of how it is related to functional safety and how it might affect the safety of the, the people inside it. Okay. Now, uh, of course, the brakes of the car has a lot of a lot to do with functional safety right so yeah. um now an autonomous car is also like if it doesn't function well uh, it will create a lot of uh, you know safety uh, issues to the people inside it now the definition by and i'm so i'm sorry for saying it iso 26262 <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite my favorite topic. So <laughs> it actually gives a very clear definition of, uh, you know, how you reach the right level of functional safety for every feature. So as as high, you know, as, as long as it's connected directly to the safety of the people, it requires higher uh, re- level of redundancy. Okay? Of course, so your ACLC and your ACLD. Exactly, ACLB and ACLD. So ACLD basically means that everything has, uh, there is no single point of failure. Okay? Everything has to be very safe. And uh, it means that if something goes wrong, that you need not only to report it, there is some, there is a backup. Now, uh, it's the same with car driving. Okay, so so if you, if you don't have, I mean, b- basically there are engineers in car companies that all they do, those are functional safety engineers, all they do is to uh, analyze the use case of driving and yep. identify issues that might happen, which the car needs to identify. Now, um, the, the rule of thumb is that for anything that the car could, you know, go, can go wrong, you need to be able to identify that problem by at least two different sensors. Now, two yep. cameras cannot provide redundancy to each other because at low light condition, or fog, or rain, or I don't know, snow, or dirt, or mosquitoes, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, could uh, could create a situation where the car doesn't see it, and you need uh, you need a second sensor. And, and there is no sensor today besides the lidar that provides the overlap uh, over those cases. So lidar does work better than camera in rain, in uh, in fog, in uh, you know low light condition, obviously. Uh, so and, and and of course no. So the, the lidar is actually a more reliable sensor than a camera. Uh, anyone who's using cameras is doomed. <laughs> <laughs> As you have mentioned, cameras have various issues. The the um the issue in the environment. Um, no, I'm, 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 a bit, I'm a bit kidding, right? I'm sure you know the, <laughs> the phrase of, uh, but but seriously, like you you need both, okay? Because yep. um, 
because uh, things could go wrong also with the sensor and uh, of course not with ours, but uh, something could go wrong and you need to have that redundancy. So yeah. obviously for autonomous driving, I mean, as long as there is no other uh, different sensor, I mean, of course, if there will be a different sensor, not a LiDAR that can provide sufficient overlap of all of the use case, then yes, you don't need a LiDAR. But today there's no alternative and there is an alternative today that was they didn't exist five years ago. So, so you know, again, so when Tesla chose a path where they don't use a LiDAR, they were right. There was no LiDAR, really. I mean, if yeah. you had to buy a LiDAR at $50,000, I'm sure kind of like you, they would probably sell less cars and, uh, oh, it, and it wouldn't work well. Uh, but, you know, because they don't have that level of redundancy which is required, you basically ask the driver to hold the wheel and look at the road. So the driver is actually the second sensor. So he's the redundancy that you need to have. I mean, you could you could look away, uh, but if uh, something goes wrong, then good luck. So, uh, and and I think as as the volume of cars that are driving in such a way are not that high, you you don't hear accidents that happen every day, but do, they do happen. Okay, yeah. and. Yes, the the car drives better than a human driver, uh, but uh, but if you if you are willing to to you know to bet that nothing happened in, in while you drive that could make the camera blind, and you feel comfortable with it, go ahead. I think it's cool. I mean, you can text as much as you want. <laughs> I, I always say that uh, driving is really uh, disturbing my texting. It's uh, horrible. <laughs> well. If the LiDAR goes the way it should do, then we'll be up to kind of level four, level five, and we can text as much as we want while driving. Exactly. <laughs> and I really I think, think that's what driving, autonomous driving, is, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you touched on it there. I mean, at the moment, we're kind of level two, level two plus. Tesla try and say they're level three, but they're not. Um, when we move up to kind of level three and above, when humans can look away from the the road and take the hands off the steering wheel that's where lidar comes into its own as the redundancy mechanism instead of the human isn't it because lidar as the sensor technology has the best level of identifying and characterizing objects whereas camera doesn't have that and nor does radar yeah i would say that you know in a, maybe in a kind of in a different way so you know, if you think about the computational power that you need to apply for a system that only has a camera and compare it with a system that has both a camera and a LiDAR, you you learn that it's actually much, much more simple in order to, to get to a safer uh, driving. OK, so I, I think that's one part. And I think people are confused to think that, you know, people say, OK, you, I have two eyes. Why don't two cameras are enough? But the problem is still uh, in, in really um, sometimes in, in actually in understanding what the camera is seeing. Okay, so yeah. um, and uh, you know there there is a long tail of things that might happen on the road which you you will never be able to uh, train enough, right? Uh, the camera or, or basically the computer to really understand. I always. Uh, think about the situation when you drive and someone is now pushing a piano, uh, you know, into the road. I, I'm not sure how many pianos were trained into the in the, in the computational kind of effort. And then, uh, damn it, I don't like the, I don't understand what it is. Maybe it's a shadow casted from a tree, which I don't see. Yeah. And someone lost the piano. So it's like really, I'm uh, like people should save pianos and not and yeah. use light. Of course. <laughs> so. 
and you say this, but these things have happened. Obviously, the a great example of the cameras not being kind of a suitable failsafe for if the human's not looking at the road is the Tesla crash uh, when the truck was turned over. The camera yeah. didn't identify what it was. Actually, there are really like very different cases where the camera becomes ineffective. In that case, is because uh, the sun was behind the car, the yeah. truck was white, it shined uh, in a way that the camera couldn't see really. It, it's yeah. crazy because it, it, it not only didn't see the truck, it actually didn't see also the driver that was standing next to it and waving to oh, the, wow. the driver. <laughs> I didn't know uh, that part. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting video. You can look it up. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, like th that video went up on YouTube. If it was a Toyota, I'm sure like the the pre president would kind of uh, resign on the, the same day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, again, like uh, that's kind of uh, a different type. Um, and and again, I think that um, that's kind of a path uh, that uh, you know the autonomous driving is going through. And uh, like again, five years ago you couldn't use a lidar. Like I think that reality has changed. You yeah. now you can because the lidars are available and provide you much more clear understanding of the scene. Because in that case of a piano, you actually get a physical measurement. You get a reflection from an object uh, that is in front of you. Uh, even if you don't really understand what it is, it has a certain shape, you know exactly where it is. And, you know, you, you don't, you shouldn't really care much about, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, if it's a piano and, you know, basically just stop. Of course. So, so it's, it's much easier with a LiDAR. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, because the LiDAR wouldn't have the issue of kind of the environment, environmental factors, the, the sun or whatever it would be. It would still detect it as an object and yeah, I mean, attack the mate. The, like the, the processing power you, that in order to try to understand what it is is irrelevant to the fact that you you know there is something there yeah. you know with, with a camera uh, in many cases you basically try to to understand what it is in order to understand like basically where it is yep. you, you know, like think about a, a car that is dri driving very very close to another car in front of it and and the camera is actually completely covered by uh, something which has a certain hue and, and color and you, you like what what should you understand right now like what's what is it how far is it from me you know and yeah and, and with lidar that's kind of uh, problems that are much easier to solve and uh, anyway there are many many cases like that for sure um, and obviously yeah that's why the kind of a pseudo camera system wouldn't work whereas a lidar obviously would umbilical technology we help leaders of organizations at the forefront of innovation secure talent ahead of their competition. Wanting to talk more then about kind of your your products, the Innovis One, which we've already touched on, um, but an exciting recent development from Innovis, uh, the Innovis Two, which has recently been announced. Um, one of the issues with LiDAR has always been cost. You've mentioned that the Innovis Two will be a 70% reduction on the Innovis One. So are we now starting to see LiDAR at a, a very good and attractive price point? Yeah, so, you know, Innovis One was the product that we uh, managed to uh, get the design win with BMW. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, wh when you want to approach a, a louder, a, a bigger, uh, I would say, crowd of uh, opportunities, uh, you need to go from a premium German car uh, into uh, a, a lower grade car, 
obviously the price point is is very important now just to give you kind of perspective so um you know we we are actually very much uh, believing that uh, level two plus is 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 actually going to be very big in the next uh, few years yep. and, and level two plus is a car that drive itself but again the driver needs to hold the wheel yep. now the part about making an autonomous car um, available is not only about the lidar i mean it's the most important but uh, actually the, the validation of the software is still a very, very long process and very expensive process. Now, imagine you could take a car with a LiDAR and, and bring it to the, to the market as a level two plus, you gain many things by doing that. One, you have a safer uh, platform that doesn't crash if you look at your phone uh, from time to time. And yep. the second part, which is interesting, is that you can actually crowdsource the validation of the platform uh, from your customers. That's like basically what Tesla is doing, but you can do that now with a LiDAR. So, uh, and by doing that, you can, I mean, the car makers don't really need to, to waste a lot of time and money by doing it themselves. They can actually, um, you know, really measure the level of risk that, you know, and maturity that exists in the platform because they can, you know, basically measure how many times the driver had to engage. And, you know, at, at the point that they feel that it's mature enough, they can release it as a level three uh, by flipping the bit, right? I mean, they can ask, like they can charge the driver now uh, more, you know, because they take responsibility. You can think about it as an insurance company because, you know, they, they know exactly how many accidents have happened in the last, uh, I don't know, year. And yep. they know how to charge for it. So it's like uh, they can become actually an insurance company in that sense, because you don't need an insurance company right now because they they take the responsibility. Um, and it's a big, it's like a big industry that will happen. So going back to the question about cost. <laughs> so in order to make all of this happen, you need to be able to make people uh, to be willing to pay uh, for a level two plus. A level two plus is around $3,000. That's basically like what people are willing to pay for. Yep. Uh, in order to bring a level two plus with a LiDAR, you need to be, do, be at a point where the LiDAR is about $500 or less, okay? And that's including the software uh, of the LiDAR. And that's, again, it's also part of what we do. So we also provide the processing of the LiDAR. Now, uh, that's a very challenging price point, as you know, from the LiDAR space. And yep. that was something that we were very, very focused on because we knew that strategically, it will allow us to penetrate the level two plus. And actually, once you be you are embedded in that in those platforms, you're staying for long because that will develop to level three later uh, because of the data collection. So um, you know that's where was our target. We worked very hard on that. So the, there were many achievements done in the technology side. I mean, we Innovis one uh, design was frozen about three years ago, yep. and you know we once you're kind of. Uh, you know, once you're kind of going on serious production, you're, you're focusing on execution rather than just uh, R&D. Uh, but of course, you know, we continue to develop technologies and, and those are now going to be embedded in the next design. Gives us a huge opportunity to reduce the cost significantly. Um, and, and those cost saving comes from innovation. It comes from also, uh, you know, understanding better the needs and, you know, reducing buffers where we, we didn't need. Um, basically, it's like really a mix of many things. So 
Now, Innovis 2 is what we see our, our future, our next step in the future. Obviously, that's like $500, you know, it's not enough. You know, we all know that one day it needs to be below $100, right? I mean, yep. we, we know that it's a, it's a good step, but it's not enough. And but you know, and we're focusing on on kind of like getting there late, like in the Innovis uh, three. You know, it's uh, it's it's definitely where we need to be, right? Five hundred dollars is nice, but it's uh, it's not where it's going to allow the real scale of uh, you know autonomous driving as a whole. So you know, level three is basically level two plus and level three. Those are the the volume generation in in kind of like in the next five to ten years. But when you go to level four and level five, you, you need more than one LiDAR in a car. Then the okay. price is duplicated in many times. You need at least uh, three or four. And it depends on how you know how you design the car and what's the length of the car. So, you know, in order to uh, to get to those figures, you, you need to reduce the cost significantly lower in order to, to get um, to get there. So it's uh, I think that will be probably the, the dynamics. Yeah. So with the Innovis 2 at the price point, it is it's kind of more open for the rest of the market that isn't kind of the premium OEMs like BMW. Of course, I mean it's uh, the, the premium cars are those who, who set the path to others, but it's not enough in regards to you know to their ability to really absorb the technology because of the price point. Yeah. And uh, it's our duty to to be able to you know to I mean eventually like even if they want to have an autonomous car. Uh, they need the, the, their customers will be willing to pay for it. <laughs> so, uh, so it's not uh, it's really not enough about their ambition to to be uh, an autonomous driving company. They need the, that their customers are able to sell it and to buy it. And of course, uh, there the, the less premium car companies, their their customers have less capabilities to to buy. <laughs> yeah. So it needs to be appropriate. <laughs> and with regards to um, the price point. I actually I was reading an article yesterday. Uh, I think it was by Texas Instruments. I'll have to check. But that was mentioning that LiDAR, by the end of 2022, they expect it to be around a $200 price point. Do, do you think that's feasible? Or are they way off? I think it's like a lidar is a big word, <laughs> so you know I can I can use a laser pointer and turn it into a lidar because it measures <laughs> range, and I'm willing to sell it by you know one one ninety nine for you if you want today. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to wait for until the uh, end of twenty two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know there are so many things you need to take into consideration uh, when you want to meet autonomous driving. There are lidars for short range and there are lidars for long range and uh, you know the, even for level three there are so many confusing definitions because you know the level three is a car drives itself but who said like that it needs to drive fast right I mean you you hear about companies declaring level three and then you hear it's like a traffic jam assist okay yeah uh, so like okay so it's a good marketing uh, saying we're level three uh, but eventually there are some parameters in it so yes probably there are i, I can again I'm, I'm willing to sell also like lidars at 200 dollars uh, <laughs> i'm i'm opening a new product now <laughs> <laughs> for sure don't let bmw know you're selling that cheap <laughs> <laughs> um and that project then within a viz too i know that that will be i know the samples are out already but you expect to kind of be marketing that more more officially kind of q3 q4 is that correct? 
let me correct. So the samples are going to be available in Q3, Q4 next year. Ah. Uh, it's uh, it's still in development. So it's uh, we are ramping up a, a new production line, an NPI line that will serve it. Uh, it's going to be in Israel. Uh, and uh, co- Corona kind of, uh, uh, you know, we learned in Corona that uh, some things need to be closer. Uh, so uh, next, uh, the next product will be designed and, and produced uh, nearby, at least for the first period of time. Innovis yeah. One is going into high volume manufacturing, so it's less kind of needed to be in here. Of course. Uh, but in the first iterations, we, we wanted to be closer. Yeah, 100 um, percent. See, supply chains are facing a lot of difficulty at the moment with coronavirus. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, so Tommy, for obviously mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, the recent announcement just before Christmas regarding going public uh, via SPAC merger. Kind of what led you to make that step as a company? Mm, okay, so um, look, I mean, the, the we are now growing very, very fast because we have a new design for our, our next generation. We are now opening uh, a high volume manufacturing line uh, we are supporting like BMW, but we are now supporting more programs, and it requires us to grow very fast. Yep. Going through a SPAC is a, is a, an interesting vehicle for uh, for a company like us. Um, you know, in in this industry, when you're competing on business uh, for you know car companies that want to source a technology from you, um, you know, for 15 years, uh, starting in 2023 or 2024. Uh, Part of the due diligence is to make sure that you're financially robust. Okay, so in order to show that, you need to show that you have enough money, not for two years, three years, four years, it's actually more. Uh, so going through the SPAC is, was an interesting and wonderful way to uh, you know, connect with, with uh, different kind of investors. I mean, different from the kind of like the private place uh, investors that we, you know, we've gone through the three uh, series of uh, funding round. Yep. Um, it allows you to connect with uh, institutional investors that are, you know, looking long term and understanding the market. And and that was, I, I think, was a, a great fit for us. And op- op- above all, it was actually a quite fast process. You know, it's in opposed to an IPO. You know, you merge into a, a vehicle that is already IPO'd with, that comes with sufficient funding. Um, and the whole process was quite, um, you know, quite simple. Who, who thought I would be going into, like, well, I, I would be public uh, without, like, leaving the office, <laughs> you know? It's, uh, and, and now I can go back to work and, uh, you know, and, and continue the execution. And, and I have enough funding for everything I need. So that funding then is that going to primarily to support the the development and the production of the Innovis two? The Innovis two and the new product for two hundred dollars, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'll buy one of those. <laughs> I will do it. I, I will. I, we can use this opportunity for the press release of, of the new product <laughs> for sure. And yeah, as you've said, I think the you don't the, get any royalties on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I think what you've said with the um. The SPAC, uh, the SPAC merger as well. It seems to be something that's becoming a lot more common. Um, kind of other lidar companies have done that more I recently. I didn't. I didn't notice. <laughs> of course. And what are your thoughts then about going public? Because there's been some volatility 
uh, in the kind of in the automotive startup sensor technology domain. Mm-hmm. How do you see that going on in 2021? Um, look, I mean, you know, uh, three years ago, there were a hundred lighter companies, right? I mean, <laughs> every yeah. day uh, you will hear uh, about another lighter company. Um, it's converging and I think in the, in the uh, it makes sense. It's like in any kind of uh, emerging industry, there is a hype cycle and then there is a convergence and then eventually there are only a few players. Yep. Um, while people are possibly see, are confused about the different companies, I think the, there is a strong differentiation between the different companies and not necessarily we are actually sitting on the same kind of uh, market. Um, we are very focused on the passenger car automotive grade uh, market. Um, some of those companies that are actually in the, mostly in the robotexes, last mile, etc. So uh, we are different and and different stages. I mean, we are now uh, you know already automotive grade going into uh, kind of high volume manufacturing with a BMW program, and and some are in a kind of uh, in an early stage and uh, you know are actually trying to fund. Uh, themselves sufficiently in order to get uh, to get there. So, um, you know, it will clear out. I think uh, part of the interesting situation now is that it, it does attract a lot of attention from the market, which is great. Analysts uh, that are are there in order to learn the, the 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 you know the subject in order to shed some light into it. So, you know, I do talk a lot of analysts in order to you know explain about us and what we do, and I expect that you know those reports would eventually help. The market understand our position and and where we are going, uh, and you know it will be more clear uh, during 2021. Definitely, yeah. I think there's already some major players within the market, yourself included, are already starting to kind of show themselves as the leaders, whereas others are further behind in the development, like you have said. Um, the leaders, not the leaders, the leaders. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's why the podcast is called Leaders in Lidar. A little bit of alliteration there. <laughs> um, and look, I think it's a good time to um, to go public. I know that recently Apple announced an autonomous vehicle that will include third-party LiDARs, and I think stock of stocks have risen as a result of that. So, yeah, very interesting time to, to go public like you have. I agree. It's... Uh... I think it's uh, it's it's helped to shape the kind of like the the convergence in in the market. It's helpful for uh, you know for the car companies uh, to see who are those that eventually you know after the shake <laughs> will stay. Yeah. Uh, and again, the market is really diverse uh, between robot taxis and shuttles and passenger cars and drones, etc. And I think um, there are different kind of positioning. Uh, we basically believe that the passenger cars will be those that will drive the, vol- the, the volume in the market. And that's why we are very focused there and have designed the LiDAR specifically for, for that segment. And over time, we'll probably, uh, you know, you know uh, do more in kind of like the other segments. We are involved in shuttle business and trucks, etc. Makes uh, sense. And less on kind of last mile deliveries and robots and logistics, etc. Yeah, yeah, I see a lot of lidar companies pivoting, maybe because they don't have a, a suitable automotive product into robotics and into kind of other areas. But I think the automotive market is definitely the best place to start um, because of how demanding it is. 
it's the most fun and the most fun of course yeah for sure um well i think that kind of brings us to conclusion last question mainly because i'll be asking all of the guests this uh so very interesting to get your kind of expert opinion when do you think that autonomous vehicles will be kind of rolled out on the roads more yeah kind of fully autonomous vehicles so kind of level three level four plus what speed <laughs> okay normal speed uh, so kind of in a normal driving sense that kind of me or uh, you will uh, drive I'm look i mean uh, there are already applications that are autonomously going to be ready quite soon i mean the, sh- the slow driving shuttle business is already there and it will grow i mean it's not at very high volume the bmw program would be the first level three and that's something that will happen towards the end of 22 or maybe the beginning of 23. um that's something that you know. I, I believe that with you know that, that you, you see a push, like you see that lidars go to the mainstream. We see many programs that are uh, now kind of sourcing lidars because they understand their competitors are doing that. So everybody is like now understanding that it's taking form and they need to be a player in this segment. Uh, again, I believe that most of them would eventually launch a level two plus because they they want to go to the market and they don't want to spend, you know, five years of uh, validation. Um, so I think it will go from level two plus to level three. Um, but you know, companies that the technical leader companies like BMW would be there first and others to follow. Um, my guess, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well look, thank you for answering that question and i think as you have said every company other than tesla is adopting lidar now i think it's converged as you have said and i think it's becoming a more widespread adoption as a sensor technology like radar and like camera already now so exciting times for sure definitely Lovely. um well look um it's been a pleasure omar i'm uh, very glad you could make time to appear on the podcast appreciate you're very busy I've definitely learned a lot and I hope that the listeners will too. Um, I know that you're very busy on LinkedIn kind of posting the LiDAR demonstrations from the Innovis 1 and Innovis 2. So anyone that's listening that wants to get a better understanding of LiDAR, I'd advise you to give Omar a follow. Um, I'll link his profile in my posts and I'm sure I've seen that you interact with people as well. So if anyone has any questions, I'm sure I'll be happy. Thank you very much. Actually, I do. I do post quite a lot on on LinkedIn in order to show kind of progress of of the technology. Uh, I I'm uh, I've, I became like a troll on on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think it's I, I actually I show I see I watch those videos over and over they, they excite me so much so you know I'm sharing it but it is it is interesting to see how the development is done and how we do different tests in different conditions it's uh, it's quite fun so yes Definitely, yeah uh, very interesting to watch cool thank you very much.